What is goody, everybody? I appreciate you tuning in to this week's episode of Just Chris Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Today, I have an episode filled entirely with some cryptocurrency talk. We're going to dabble in some Bitcoin, dabble in some other type of altcoin. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and y'all enjoy it. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing today? I'm going to take a pause and wait for the response from you guys. That's awesome. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So today's episode, it's not like last week's episode. Is it like the episode before last week? Yes. Yes, it is. And, you know, I kind of like this pattern that I'm doing with a little bit of stock talk and then go back to, you know, where we started and then stock talk again. So it's kind of like an ABAB pattern. And right now we are back at the A pattern. And with stock talk today, we're not talking stocks. We are not talking stocks. We're not talking bonds, not talking ETFs, no index funds. What we're talking about is cryptocurrency. Now, I... I have mixed views on cryptocurrency sometimes. However, other other times, I kind of follow it. I'm kind of a fan of it, and I'm a fan of the future of it. But I'm not here today to take a side and like lead you one way or the other on cryptocurrency. I'm here to provide you guys with the information that you may not know. And I'm going to start with that by telling you guys that I am not registered as a securities broker or dealer or any type of investment advisor, either with U.S. Securities and the SEC or any state securities regulatory authority. I am not licensed nor qualified to provide you with investment advice. So if you're confused on that, listen to it again. But don't take any advice from me, I guess. Well, if you want to take advice from me. Well, let's just get into it, okay? So, as I mentioned, we are talking about cryptocurrency today. I mentioned in previous episodes, um, one episode to be more specific, uh, I really hit on Bitcoin and prices, where it's at right now, and a little bit of the future. But today, I'm going to dive deeper into it. Okay, so to begin with a little bit of history on cryptocurrency, I'm not going to go too deep, too in-depth with it. I'm going to stay very broad and at the surface, but we're going to begin in 1989 with DigiCash. Now, the goal in mind with DigiCash was to innovate the digital currency anonymously. Now, anonymously, this is, this is a new idea. This is a new thing back in 1989. Now, today, being anonymous is a much different thing. But back then, having a decentralized digital currency completely anonymous... That's foreign language to them. This lasted a while, but it wasn't until 1996 did eGold come out. Now, eGold is another spinoff of a cryptocurrency, and they were a centralized digital currency. They were from the Gold and Silver Corporation. And following this in 1998 was kind of a big year for cryptocurrency because we had BitGold, which was created. And this isn't to be confused with the other BitGold. This is two words, BitGold by Nick Zabo. And the work was done between 1998 and 2005. However, Bitgold was never implemented. Never implemented. Again in 1998, did we have B-Money. And B-Money was just an early proposal, and it was an anonymous, distributed, electronic cash system. 
And this was published in 98, and it actually cited Satoshi's Bitcoin in their white paper. So to get information out, they referred back to Bitcoin. Now, modern digital currency started in 2008. So years later, years later, 2008, Satoshi Nakamoto released his information or however you want to view Satoshi Nakamoto, he released his information on what would then become Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin didn't go public until 2009. So we had almost 20 years of cryptocurrency work until we finally got what we were getting at with Bitcoin. Today, we don't see just Bitcoin. We see multiple other types of currencies. We have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, and any type of coin that's not Bitcoin is often referred to as altcoin. And altcoin are typically smaller cap, uh, smaller cap currencies, smaller cap coins. But as of January 2017, we had over 500 different types of cryptocurrencies or 500 different types of altcoin. But only 10 of those 500 had a market cap over $10 million. Now, do we remember how to find market cap? That is the price of a coin or an asset multiplied by the number of shares. And only 10 of the 500 had a market cap of over 10 million. Now, in September of 2017, we saw that number increase from 500 to 1,100 different, different type of currencies. And together, they had a market cap of $60 billion. September of 2017, remember this, $60 billion market cap of all cryptocurrencies of 1,100 different types. But in December, that number increased dramatically. It increased 10 times. 10 times. Now, in 2017, when research was being done on cryptocurrency, by 2019, the market of cryptocurrency was valued at $1.03 billion. And at the time that this was being referenced, they expected cryptocurrency, they expected the market cap to reach 1.4 billion by 2024. 1.4 billion by 2024. Let's do the math here. 2024, 2021, subtract that, carry the one. Uh, <laughs> um, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, in 2021, cryptocurrency reached a market value of $1 trillion. $1 trillion. The person who wrote the article back in 2019, you know, they need to check their hypotenuses because the math is off a little bit. <laughs> the math is off a little bit. With cryptocurrency, you don't, you know, you don't buy crypto and then put it in like your actual wallet. You don't hold it. It's not a physical thing. This is all online. You keep it in a digital wallet. Picture it as logging into your bank account, logging into your brokerage account where all of your stocks and assets are held, this is exactly how cryptocurrency is, okay? So you have a digital wallet for it. And with this digital wallet, you're provided with a private key to access it. Now, if you lose that private key, you're kind of SOL forever. Meaning there are very, very little chances of ever getting your digital wallet back. And this isn't uncommon. This is actually this happens more often than you would think. And because of blockchain technology, this makes it extremely, extremely challenging to gain access of your wallet. 
So, like I said, once it's gone, it's gone. No more. Prime example of this, we saw this twice. Prime examples, twice in January of 2021. And that comes from James Howells and Stefan Thomas. To begin, we're going to talk about James Howell and, you know, kind of how he goofed really, really bad. He mistakenly put his hard drive that held his digital wallet in the trash while cleaning his home in 2013. Now, if it was just a couple of Bitcoin, you know, that's kind of a big deal still. I mean, you really can't downplay just a couple of Bitcoin in the trash, especially where it's at now. No, no, no. He put 7,500 Bitcoin in the trash in 2013. 7,500 Bitcoin in the trash? Are you kidding me? Now, let's put that in some perspective here with how much that is actually valued. $280 million. James Howells threw away $280 million. God, poor guy. But it's not just him. He's not the only guy that feels that pain. As I mentioned, we have Stefan Thomas, who is a San Francisco programmer, who has two guesses remaining on his iron key, or his hard drive. Two guesses. And that begins with 10 guesses, so your boy kind of messed around on the first eight guesses, and really, you know, really YOLO'd his passwords. But he didn't get it. Now he has two guesses remaining. And if he doesn't access his iron key, 7,000 Bitcoin is down the drain. $220 million is down the drain. And he will lose that forever. So will James House forever. Now, if he doesn't guess these passwords, his hard drive will seize up and then encrypt his data forever, making it inaccessible. There's no way around it, really. So I'm praying for Stefan Thomas. Now, personally, if it was me, you know, being put in this situation is kind of tough. Like, could you imagine if you just had two guesses to access $220 million? Now, this isn't, you know, just a guess like your typical password, one capital letter, eight characters with one special character. No, no, not, not even close. Your digital wallet or for his example, his iron key, this is a very complex password. It's super complicated. It's not, you know, your traditional password. We're having tons of numbers and characters. And I I really couldn't imagine, like, trying to guess that and getting it correct. It's tough. I mean, I can't put myself in his shoes, but if I were to be in his shoes, I don't even know what I would do. do How do you bounce back from this? Now, if I was in this predicament, and I heard this from many other people as well, is that they would give up guessing after his eighth guess still leaving him with two options but i'd be in a much more content state of mind knowing that there is a possibility sometime in the future extremely low probability but there is the possibility of you coming across the password as opposed to 10 guesses all 10 guesses are off and you lose it forever i would rather still have the the sense that i could have 220 million to my name Or if I guessed that 220 million would be gone forever. That's just what I would do. I mean, I'm kind of curious, what would you do if you had $220 million on the line, two guesses away with an extremely complex password? 
I want to hear what you guys would do in this. Now, Bitcoin today is the exact same as it was when it first came out. In total, there are 21 million Bitcoins to be mined, thus meaning that Bitcoin is a fixed asset. And when I mention mining Bitcoin, you're not in the caves, you're not mining it like you would mine coal or diamonds, things like that. No, this is all online and it's done using specialized computers whose only role is to secure the network and process every Bitcoin transaction. So while you're not sitting at the computer, it's doing the work for you. In return for doing this type of work, the miners are rewarded with Bitcoin for completing their tasks every 10 minutes or completing their service every 10 minutes. But this is an easy work, okay? You got to have the most complex computer ever. Probably not, but if you look up kind of like what Bitcoin mining centers look like, you have warehouses full of things that don't even look like computers. They just look like, I don't, I don't even know. Look it up. Mining Bitcoin is kind of something serious. And as I mentioned, every 10 minutes, once their services are complete, they receive Bitcoin in return. The more Bitcoin miners there are, the more secured the network is and the more secured Bitcoin is. Different from how we exchange money today, the traditional way, Bitcoin is only person to person. There is no financial intermediary coming in between the people. For example, I complete a service for someone, such as cutting someone's grass. I cut someone's grass, and in return, they write me a check for $40. Now, when I receive that check for $40, I don't have $40, you know, right there in my account. I have to take it to the bank, to the ATM, and from there, it goes through the clearinghouse, which then runs the information from their bank to my bank, make sure it works, it adds up, and then it gets passed through meaning there's a financial intermediary coming between the transaction. There is a middleman between me receiving that $40 and the person writing me that check. With Bitcoin, it is not the same. This is just person to person. So if I were to receive $40 worth of Bitcoin for cutting someone's yard, this would come straight to me and there would be no need for the clearinghouse to kind of run through my information and line it up with my bank and their bank. No need at all. In addition to this, we have much lower fees than what we would with a bank account. And have you ever tried writing a check or giving money to someone in a different country using different currency? You can't. You know, I'm in the process now of working with someone in Spain to complete a service for me, but paying them is extremely complicated. It doesn't have to be that way because if I were to use Bitcoin for this example, it can be accessed worldwide. So my friend in Spain can receive my, my money in Bitcoin. I could have a friend in Japan, wherever, receiving my money in Bitcoin. And it's at the actual value. I mean, they have to go through the, uh, they have to go through the exchange. But $40 is $40. <laughs> your, your Bitcoin account, your digital wallet cannot be frozen like how a bank account would be. You know, you can, have, you can have your funds frozen. You can't do anything on your bank. You're SOL. That's not the case with this. Lastly, we have no prerequisites. <laughs> I can't say that. We have no prerequisites for owning any Bitcoin. There's nothing that you need to, like, make sure of. There's nothing you need to sign under the dotted line. You don't need to do anything before. You set it up, you get Bitcoin, and you got it. 
honestly, it, it's kind of that simple. And apps today, for example, Cash App, it's so easy to get Bitcoin. So easy. I couldn't believe it. I get on the app. I have $10 in my account. I click on the Bitcoin tab. There we go. I got $10 in Bitcoin. Just like that. That's kind of wild to me. It is kind of wild to me. And it's just kind of unreal how fast that everything is like transitioning, how everything is going, how simple investing has become. So simple. But that's, you know, that's a story for another day or that's a story for a podcast I had in the past. Now, to hit on the podcast that I had on the past, I referenced Bitcoin a lot two episodes ago when I was talking about asset price bubbles. In 2018, we saw a pretty large crash with Bitcoin and other altcoins. And this was from a large boom in 2017 and then followed by a 65% drop in price early 2018 in January and February. Let me hit on that again for you guys. A large boom, a dramatic spike in price, followed by a dramatic downfall in price. If you listen to the episode two episodes ago, this is kind of a familiar trend here. A large boom followed by a dramatic downfall in price. Exactly what Bitcoin and other altcoin went through during this time. And nearly all the other cryptos peaked at this time. And then in September of 2018, all of them crashed. They collapsed nearly 80% from their January peak. And actually, this bubble was worse than the dot-com bubble that we saw in the early 2000s. The dot-com bubble went through a 78% collapse in price. Crypto in 2018, 80% crash in price. This was kind of kind of worse than the dot-com era. But a lot of people really don't recognize this, okay? It's, it's kind of crazy, all right? In December 2017, when we're talking about Bitcoin's high, it reached a price of $19,783.06. That's pretty high. I mean, in 2017, I remember, I remember following it back then. I remember telling people about Bitcoin because they were asking me, like, I don't, I don't understand it. What's, what's the big hype about Bitcoin? Should I invest money in it? I'm glad I didn't tell anyone any investment advice because days later, I remember following this. Days later, Bitcoin fell below $11,000. Bitcoin saw a 45% collapse in price. Again, days later, after this, January 26th to to February 6th, the price halved. Now it was sitting around 6,000. And additional bad news for cryptocurrency remained throughout the first quarter of 2018. They really couldn't catch a break. And at this time, I think a lot of people gave up on the hope of Bitcoin. I mean, everyone stopped reading about it. Bitcoin kind of shit the bed. At the end of the first quarter in 2018, Facebook, Google, Twitter, they all banned ads for any type of ICO. And ICO, what's an ICO? That's an initial coin offering. This is very, very similar to an initial public offering. Uh, For example, when a stock goes public, this is the exact same thing, but for cryptocurrency. The end of March, Facebook, Google, and Twitter banned any type of advertising for it. We're seeing this again. We're seeing trends here, guys. We're seeing trends of you know banning ads 
silencing cryptocurrency. We're not specifically seeing, you know, that context right now. But we're seeing a lot of banning of ads, banning of content on Facebook, Google, Twitter. I think YouTube, I've read something today that YouTube's kind of not following trend. I could be wrong, but we're seeing it again. Now, in November 2018, Bitcoin's market cap fell below 100 million for the first time since 2017. And that's kind of bad news for Bitcoin back in November. But what did it do from November to where we are now? We saw yet another boom in price for Bitcoin. Another one. And it's great. We saw the prices reach new highs. It soared more than 700% since March of 2020, reaching $40,000 per Bitcoin. $40,000 per Bitcoin on January 7th, the day before my birthday. That was an early birthday gift to me. I thank you, Satoshi Nakamoto. 40000 is kind of a big deal. A lot of people thought 40000 you know, it would continue to take off from there. Maybe it will. Maybe. But right now, Sunday the 17th of January, it's sitting around $35,600. Not bad. Just a 15% decrease in price from its $40,000 high. All right, so that's kind of where we are right now, okay? Now, going forward, I've been looking a lot into this, and I, I think it's kind of good for us. Now, I don't want to get political in this podcast at all. And just by mentioning this name, it's going to get political. But that's not the intention. So, just last week, President-elect Joe Biden, the political talk is over right there. That's all I had to say. He appointed the former chairman of the Commodity Future Trading Commission to take over the SEC. Now, the old SEC chairman actually just recently stepped down, meaning there's a spot for someone new. And what did Joe Biden do? He filled that spot. Where it gets better is that this is great news for digital assets. This is great news for cryptocurrency because the new chair that he selected, Gary Gensler, has a history with cryptocurrency. Is that great news or is that great news? I don't know. It's up to you to decide and it's kind of up to time to tell. But just by having him as the chair of the SEC, he knows cryptocurrency. He, he gets it. Now, he was once a Goldman Sachs partner. He testified on the digital currency's policy and regulation before Congress. He defended cryptocurrency. That's great news for the people. He also participated in many, many different types of public and private discussions worldwide. He ain't new to this. He ain't new to the game. Now, addition to this, this where it gets this, you know, this is probably my favorite part about Gary Gensler is that he taught blockchain and digital currencies at MIT. Gary Gensler is kind of with it. Gary Gensler knows cryptocurrency. And over the past several years, he has advocated for a nationwide way to register and then monitor cryptocurrency exchanges. This would be done at a very broad level at the SEC. This wouldn't be leaving it up to the states to decide how to register and monitor cryptocurrency, which it's at now. Gary Gensler is here to change that. And then he also stated that Bitcoin, as you know, one of the largest of the cryptocurrencies, needed more protection and more regulation given its extreme volatility. 
do you think we need that? I, duh, yeah, I think we do need that. Um, I think that's, you know, just another layer of protection for cryptocurrency, another layer of protection for investors of Bitcoin. Now, I do, I do agree with the statement that it is extremely, extremely volatile. It is. Should I go back to the notes that we saw? We saw it fall by 80%, 80%. That's kind of freaking volatile. But, you know, let's move on. Gary Gensler isn't the only crypto advocate we're bringing to the table here. Joe Biden did his research. And that's, you know, that's good news. That's good news. That's, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to President-elect Joe Biden for doing his research on these people he's bringing in. Now, he is bringing in Simon Johnson. And Simon Johnson is an economist and a professor at MIT. So he's there working with our boy Gary Gensler. And while there, he led digital currency research and then co-authored a paper about the extensive impact of blockchain and how it can have on the financial world. Let me, let me read that again because Simon Johnson kind of got it going on too. Simon Johnson kind of got it going on too. Simon Johnson, economist and professor at MIT, he led the digital currency research and then co-authored a paper about the extensive impact of blockchain and how it will impact the financial world. A sigh of relief, thank you. Now, in addition to this, he also served on Coindesk's advisory board. He ain't new to the game. He ain't new to the game. Okay. Next, we have Chris Brummer. Brummer? Ah, God, I really don't want to butcher his name. If it matches, it matches. But that's who we got next. Now, Chris is a law professor, and just from his name, like, he sounds pretty dope already. I mean, every, every Chris is dope out there. A little off topic, but I suggest this to you guys. Go to Instagram and follow people with the exact same name as you have. Guaranteed follow back. Guaranteed like on every photo you post. How relieving and how great is it to see that Chris Carter liked your photo? Now, imagine six Chris Carters liking your photo. Okay, back to topic. Now, Chris Brummer, a law professor and faculty director at Georgetown's Institute of International Economic Law. He's a familiar figure in fintech, and then he also testified before Congress regarding Facebook's Libra project. And that project is, you know, Facebook's type of cryptocurrency that they're trying to bring to the table. So our boy Chris testified before Congress defending Facebook's crypto project. Chris believes in the future of cryptocurrency. He ain't the only one. Next, you know, this, this name is kind of a mouthful, and it's, I, I had to look it up. So if, even if I still butcher it after I looked it up, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Marissa Baradarn is a UC Cal Irvine School of Law professor. She is specializing in banking law, and then she also testified as an expert witness. Expert witness. That's kind of a big deal. Now, her role as an expert witness was at the Senate Banking Committee hearing on regulatory frameworks for blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Baradarn's kind of a kind of expert on blockchain and cryptocurrency. Great news for us. She has also written extensively, a ton, large amounts about the inequalities in banking. And I agree with that. You know, I, I do think there's a lot of inequalities in banking. 
And she's also a huge critic of the idea that other projects similar to Facebook's Libra crypto project could help expand the financial inclusion. She's back in crypto, baby. She is back in crypto. So, so far, let's just do a little recap before we conclude it. Mirsa Baradarn, Chris Brummer, Brummer, uh, <laughs> and then we have Simon Johnson and our boy, Gary Gensler. I got respect for Gary Gensler. You know, I'm hoping big things out of him. Last of the key players Joe Biden's bringing to the table is Lev Menard. And he is one of the original creators of the digital dollar concept. He is an academic fellow and a law professor at Columbia. So he's kind of qualified. He's really qualified. He also served <laughs> he also served as a senior advisor to the Deputy Secretary of Treasury in 2015-2016. Does Lev got more? Lev got more. He worked as an economist for the Federal Reserve Bank of New York Supervision Group. These boys are coming in hot. And Mayor said Baranon. <laughs> but, you know, quite honestly, I think crypto has a very strong future ahead of it. Um, I, I really do. Kind of kind of hesitating for a second here trying to think, but in my honest opinion, now take this how you want it, crypto's got a future. You know, it, I had multiple people ask me after my last podcast about the crypto bubble where I, you know, I told them about it and they asked, are we ever going to see a day where it's the whole financial system is completely taken over by cryptocurrency, currency, <laughs> cryptocurrency and digital transactions? You know, I think I think that's extremely tough to make a call on because we really don't know. Um, I, maybe it, it'll happen sometime in our lifetime, maybe sometime in the next lifetime. I, I think there's potential for it. Maybe I really don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but I want to see cryptocurrency strive. I want to see cryptocurrency do well, but you have to think of this. Cryptocurrency is competing against the whole financial system. They're competing against the big name companies, big name corporations. They're competing against Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, um, Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse. Cryptocurrency is competing against these large corporations. So to mean that cryptocurrency takes over the market, everything's done through cryptocurrency, it's kind of leaving all these big banks kind of SOL. And it's kind of about the money here. I don't think that'll happen soon. Yeah, I'm, It's tough. I'm back and forth. I'm really back and forth. It can go either way. But you get the point. And that's what I have today for a little bit of crypto talk for the fans. A little bit of crypto talk for the fans. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, I really I really had a good time explaining it to you all. Doing the research beforehand was a little challenging. And actually, you know, when I first started recording this episode, this isn't the first take. Surprisingly, I don't do it all in one take. I wish I could. You know, I wish I had that talent. But I don't do it all in one take. And multiple times throughout this, I had to go back through and kind of double check my information, double check my data, see if what I got is the right thing and if I'm projecting it in the correct way. I think there are a lot of a lot of little details about cryptocurrency that's still extremely challenging to understand. 
You can find it online, though. Like, you can find a ton, a ton of information and resources online. There are also a ton of documentaries regarding cryptocurrency. A couple on Netflix that I've seen. I think Hulu has one. You can always look it up on YouTube. Oh, gosh. You know, if you're feeling it, Mr. Krabs, if you're feeling it, you know, as I said at the very beginning that I'm not registered as a securities broker, dealer, or an investment advisor, either with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission or any state sec- or securities regulatory authority, nor am I licensed or qualified to provide investment advice. Note that before I say this. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I, I actually just recently went for it. I put some money in the boys. I put some money in Bitcoin. And, you know, I'm just going to ride it. I'm going to see how it does. I'm not, I'm not anticipating anything large out of it. I just want to see how it moves. If I lose money, I lose money. If I gain money, I gain money. I'm really going into investing in cryptocurrency with an open mind. I don't have a lot on the line. But that's what I got today. I appreciate you sitting through this. You know, if you're not a fan of cryptocurrency and you actually learned stuff in today's episode, that's great. That is great news. That's awesome that I've been able to kind of relay that information to you in a way that you understand it. Though there may be a lot of like foreign words and stuff in here, further research. Further research is the key, really. If you have any questions about cryptocurrency, I or really questions about, you know, the financial world, I would love to help. Absolutely, I never really turn down giving help to someone when they reach out to me. So reach out to me really like that's that's the biggest difference between you know getting what you want and not is reaching out to me and if you take that step like i'm there so that's where you can reach out to me i wish i had someone here to say it for me you know to really emphasize on it maybe i'll call my mom then i'm gonna text my mom tell her to come up yeah yeah hold up so i'm supposed to talk like i got some balls okay so who better to endorse chris than his own mom the best way to reach him is at justchrispodcast at gmail.com. Talk soon, everyone. Shit. <laughs> and y'all take care. Thanks, guys. Y'all take care. <laughs>